1: All right, here we go. Salute to Knicks Nation. CP the franchise here. We have a special edition of Knicks Fan TV because I'm being joined by an absolute legend. He is an NBA Hall of Famer, soon to be two-time Hall of Famer, led the New York Knicks to two NBA championships, and was recently named to the NBA's top 75 greatest players of all time. He is our legend, Walt Clyde Frazier. Clyde, welcome to Knicks Fan TV. How are you doing today?
2: Yeah, thank you, man. It's always a pleasure talking with you guys.
1: Absolutely. Well, first and foremost, I'd like to talk about uh, the promotion that you're doing with uh, DoorDash, because it's a pretty cool promotion uh, that you're working on to uh, to close out the next season.
2: Yeah, yeah, I am, man. Uh, I really appreciate DoorDash hiring me and letting me represent them. And uh, they've done an excellent job. Uh, you know, I'm wearing suits uh for some of the local restaurants that we we're embellishing under the auspices of DoorDash where people can call in and order food of course, and we know the, uh, the lifeline of New York are our restaurants, especially the local restaurants, so we we're trying to get more attention towards that, and uh I wore a suit the other night, and I got all this kudos from the players, everybody loved the design that I had on representing one of the restaurants, and so I have two more suits to wear. I'm going to be do- doing Hong Dynasty tomorrow night. I'll be all in all red with a white shirt, white tie. So it should be very provocative. So uh, DoorDash likes my style and wanted me to use these suits. And, you know, I'm having fun with it. Absolutely.
1: And, and I believe for the fans to get involved at home, they can go to DoorDash for that particular restaurant and use promo code Clyde for a discount.
2: Yeah. Yeah, of course. Check it out. Remember I had Clyde's wine and dime, man, but the pandemic got to us. So I wish we still had that one going. So we definitely get a lot of people calling in, but uh, yeah, they could check it out that way and uh, hopefully get to New York market. I see the mayor's trying to get everybody back into the building you know the city's still suffering a little bit from the pandemic. Yeah. So people are not out out and about like they used to be, but they're still ordering in. So uh, DoorDash is a good option for them to order.
1: Good option indeed, and great idea. And uh, speaking of style, Clyde, you know no one does style quite like you. Your your style is world renowned. Um, what was your inspiration behind that style? The eccentric suits. Uh, the large brim hats, the Rolls Royce. What What was your inspiration behind
2: that? Uh, being in the Mecca, <laughs> the Mecca for fashion, style, whatever. You know, when I came into the league, we wore suits to every game. I mean, we were always trying to outdress each other. And our idols were the Temptations, the four tops. So these guys, when they performed, they wore suit and ties. Like today, these players emulate the rappers. They dress like the rappers. But man, we were no—we were all decked out in suit and tie, and that's how the style started for me. And one day I was in uh, Baltimore, and I see this wide-brimmed hat, and I bought the hat, and that's evolving into the Clyde. You know, the movie, Bunny and Clyde, came out about mm. two weeks later. So I've always been into style and fashion, but never had the money, <laughs> you know, until I got to the Knicks. And, and signed the contract, and then in the city, going out, having fun, the greatest city in the world, you know, winning championships, bought the Rolls Royce, mm-hmm. so it was all a culmination of all these things that developed my style.
1: Now, with your style, all your suits are custom-made, bespoke, what goes into that design process? How do you, How do you go about creating a
2: suit? I create a suit by finding the fabric. You know, once I see the fabric I know if I want a peak lapel, a notch lapel, a shawl collar, uh whether I have a vent in the back, you know, double pockets, slanted pockets. So I have a tailor that got Mohans. I used to take it to Mohans and and we helped design the suits in the pants, whether I wanted pleated pants with the cuff or straight cuff. So I really I shop till I drop, man. <laughs> Like like when the season is over, like now the season's over, I start shopping. So I was I was making maybe twelve suits a year. I have I make at least twelve suits. So between Seventh and Eighth Avenue, from Thirty Fifth Street to Fortieth, I just walk in and out of fabric stores. So I walk in and out of all the fabric. Sometimes it takes me months. I might not find anything <clears throat> that I like. I'm looking for something different, something provocative. So once I find, you know, I get a lot of swatches for the suits. Then I have to find the shirts, and then I have to find the buttons. <laughs> you know, then I have a tie maker. I have to go get the tie. So it's a whole process, man. But it's something I really enjoy because when I wear something, you know, someone go, "Hey, Claude, I really like that." Like the other night, I wore the first suit for for DoorDash, and the players were saying, hey, hey, Clyde, I like that suit, man. That's a cool suit. And then we left after the game going to Orlando. We got to Orlando, people, women that didn't even know me, they were taking pictures of that <laughs> suit, man. <laughs> so they were like, oh, that's a good suit. And, uh, you know, that that makes it worthwhile for me that, you know, all the time that I put into this, that uh, somebody really appreciates it, and people always tell me, okay, I was going into the locker room, and coming out was uh Tibbs mother. Mm. <laughs> right. I never met him, never saw his mother. His mother goes, I know you. I see you on TV <laughs> all the time, she says. And I love those suits you wear. <laughs> 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 so so then so, Tibbs came up to me and hey, Clyde, thanks for being nice to my mom, man. You know, she really enjoyed meeting you. So it's those type of scenarios, man, that keep me motivated about by what I'm doing. Styling and profiling.
1: Styling (laughs) and profiling. You got to love it. Mama Thibodeau loving your style. Um, uh, Clyde, you know, speaking of styling and and designers, I always wanted to know, did you ever work with uh, Dapper Dan, the the famed designer and and clothier who uh, was established uptown in Harlem?
2: No, I never did. I I Mm. used to endorse, you know, when I was playing Ripley, Ripley Mm. clothes and some Mm. of the things, but I never had a, like these guys, I never had a stylist. You know, I've pretty much been my own stylist. You know, my yeah. I tell people my imagination is my only limitation, man. Right. <laughs> it's all out of my head. My creativity yeah. that I come up with this stuff. I'm always looking for styles, fashion. Back in the 70s, Fifth Avenue was the fashion capital of the world. Mm. You could go there. Everybody was dressed in suits, ties, all different nationality people. And I used to copy a lot of, the you know, there were no phones then. I didn't, right. you know, couldn't take a picture. But in my head, I saw things. that Oh, that combination I never saw. I saw this and that. So that's what I'm saying. Being in the Mecca, I've seen so much. And that has helped me put together my style and my creativity.
1: Hey, you know, you talked about being in the Mecca and and the development of the brand that is Clyde, you know, styling and profiling and, and the era of Studio 54 and and really being one of those movers and shakers uh in, in New York back in those days. But uh the 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 other side of you, which is Walter or Walter, as some may call you, uh was known to be a bit more reserved, more laid back and and mild-mannered. Uh how did how did you manage that dichotomy and and did you ever uh, you know, succumb to that brand of Clyde where, you know, it kind of
2: overtook Walt. It's a good question, man. Cause personally, I'm, I'm quiet and shy. And, and uh, Clyde was my alter ego. Clyde was a guy that operated from 12 AM to 4 AM. He <laughs> seeked the limelight. He, he wanted to be seen. Otherwise I'm walled. I'm home. No entourage. You know, the guy that just loved to play basketball, you know, happy I was in New York City doing what I was doing. So, uh, you know, I kind of kept him in perspective. I never lost perspective of Clyde. I knew I was in New York. That was to play basketball. This is my career to win basketball games. And normally when we weren't losing, you never see me out. I didn't go out. The food didn't taste as good. The music didn't sound as good. You know, I wasn't as flamboyant. So I was lucky. We had about seven or eight years where we were the premier team in the league. So every night after the game, I'm out, man. I'm, I'm, I'm out and about. I'm having a good time. I didn't need a kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I eat out every day, every night. I was out somewhere having fun, enjoying uh, the trappings of New York with nothing that I ever dreamt about. I never. My only dream was to be in the NBA to help mm. my family. And, you know, just making it was enough for me. I never Mm -hmm. envisioned the stardom that I gained. And here we are 50 years later, man. Can you imagine? Yeah. 50 years later, we're here talking about Clyde and style and and, and the team that I played on, man. It's just magnificent.
1: An incredible journey indeed. Now, another aspect of, of fashion that I think you deserve so much more credit for is the sneaker game. Because we look at the sneaker game now and the NBA and the confluence of the two, where you can't even watch a game nowadays without knowing what sneakers the player had on, what color, you know, the the customization, so on and so forth. But you signed the first sneaker endorsement deal with Puma, I believe, in 1973. Uh, how do you reflect back on that and and being a, a true pioneer and looking at where? Uh, things have gone now in terms of the enormous endorsement deals and the popularity of uh, sneakers and and the NBA.
2: Yeah, I know you're right. In in '73, uh, uh, a guy approached me. And he said, "Clyde, would you be interested in endorsing a shoe?" So in those days, they gave us shoes, but nobody was getting paid to wear a shoe. So the guy got me with Puma, and uh, you know the shoe was so heavy and clunky. Man, I said, man. Even if you paid me, I couldn't wear that shoe. (laughs) They go, no, we want you to help us design it. So I kind of helped them design and make it a lighter shoe, more flexible shoe. And it came out in suede, which was an aberration. You know, nobody was using suede at the time. Mm. So that was a a difference in the shoe. So we had nick colors we had blue and we had red with an orange stripe. And, man, we sold so many shoes in New York, they couldn't keep them in the store. And the, the Clyde, you know, then they put my name on it, the Clyde, the Puma Clyde. And, and uh, you know, the rest is history. Like 40 years now, I've still been involved with that shoe. Uh, R.J. Barry wears the Clyde. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right, right. He wasn't even born, man, when I was doing that. So, you know, to still be involved with the organization and, and all of that. And that's why I'm happy I'm with DoorDash, man. I'm hoping my relationship can evolve like that with them because, you know, now the delivery service is something new the last two years because of the pandemic, people weren't going out. So they're ordering Mm -hmm. things in and uh, DoorDash is being very creative and, you know, I'm hoping I can uh, have a a little longevity with them too and the creativity and what they're doing.
1: Absolutely. Now, on to your legendary playing career. Now, this year you added another accomplishment to your already decorated resume, and that is being named to the top 75 greatest players of all time, the NBA celebrating its 75th anniversary. What does that mean to you uh, to still be recognized? You know, so many players have come and gone through this game, so many greats, but you, your name rings true among the top 75.
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
3: You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts, listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.
2: It's a blessing. It's a true blessing. I I never dreamt of being in the Hall of Fame. Um And obviously I was lucky enough to be one of the 50 greatest players. That was at that point the most uh, magnificent honor I had ever achieved. Because when you look at all the players that have played in the league, to be just one of 50 out of thousands and thousands of players, and then now to come back to be one of the 75 greatest, you know, just adding to that legacy and, and, and the blessing. I was fortunate enough to play with, some, some great coaches. Red Holtzman was the catalyst for me. When I was inducted to the Basketball Hall of Fame in 1987, I had him do the in- introduction because I thought he was he he was he was so instrumental in my career. In the play with Willis Reed, a guy I idolized who was a tenacious worker on the court, I copied the way he carried himself, how he dealt with the fans. His handwriting, his old style, man. I had Dick Barnett, who was a sharp dresser. So I had all these very positive role models on the Knicks that molded my career on and off the court, man, and making me uh, standing on the shoulders of a lot of people today to be proud of and uh, receiving the honors of 150 greatest, 175 greatest, now, like you said, two-time Hall of Famer, first guy ever to to be honored as a basketball player and also as an announcer in the hall of fame. So, you know, God is good, man. I pray often and that's why I'm, I'm so humble. Whenever you see the Clyde, he's laughing. I'm signing autographs. I'm talking to people, you know, because it's it's something that I never expected and uh, I'm very appreciative.
1: Yeah. Your humility is certainly admirable. Uh, You know, there, there are two players who are also in that top 75 who, when I go through your older interviews and, and through the book on the Garden of Eden, you seem to, um, you know, really carry a chip on your shoulder in being compared to them and, and wanting your respect as it pertained to those guys, and that was Oscar Robinson and Jerry West. Uh, can you talk a little bit about how those guys, you know, motivated you throughout your career uh, to truly be great?
2: Yeah, Oscar Robinson was one of my idols. Uh, you know, he was the best in the game. Uh a gentleman on and off the court, so uh, I try to emulate him in many ways in being an all-around player, and Jerry West, of course, similar to Oscar, another great player, one of the best shooters in the game, so I had my battles with those guys. I caught them in the tail of their career, but uh, they were definitely an inspiration for me, and. Uh, you know, when I was on the All-Star team, man, I, I sat in the back. I kept my mouth shut. I just listened to those guys talk, tried to learn whatever I could from them. Will Chamberlain, Bill Russell, Hundo Havlicek. So there were so many great players during my era that I, that I copied their style. You know, like I said, my dress style I got from Barnett. I just added my creativity to it. So a lot of what Oscar did, I did, but then I added my defensive tenacity. Mm. Ian West were not as renowned for their defense as I was, so I kind of created that to be kind of a little different from them and try to control the game on both ends of the floor. But, uh, yeah, those guys were definitely instrumental in in my career and getting me into the Hall of Fame. Game 7
1: of the 1970 NBA Finals. The greatest performance, Clyde. I don't care what they say about Giannis, LeBron, Michael Jordan. 36 points, 19 assists, 7 rebounds, 5 steals to me is the greatest Game 7 performance of all time. But I think that the thing that I really admire about that performance is that throughout that 70s playoffs, you know, you only average about 19 points per game against Monroe and the Bullets in the semifinals. Against the Bucs, you only average about nine points. It was your defense that was on display. And in the book, When the Garden Was Eden, your former teammate at Southern Illinois, uh, Dick Garrett, asks this question. He says, you don't think Walt could have scored 30 points a game if he needed to or wanted to? And to me, that really speaks to your selflessness as it pertained to this team and, and doing what you had to do to help this team win games. Could you, could you talk a little bit about that?
2: Yeah. When, once, once we reach the playoff, when, when the guys go out on the court, I'm the last guy to go. Holtzman will pull me over. Like if we're playing the bullets, he'll go, Clyde, forget about offense. I want you to focus on defense. Just stay on Earl. So, you know, that's what I do. And the same thing with Milwaukee. You know, they had prolific guards, and I—that's why I didn't score that many. I, I was focusing on defense. Ironically, Game Seven, when I left the locker room, he pulled me aside, Clyde. He said, "Hit the open man, get everybody involved." So when I went on the court, <laughs> that was my thing. But as the game evolved, I was the open man. <laughs> Every time I came over a screen, I was open. So I just started shooting. You know, I started stealing the ball. I was doing what I was doing. But I never envisioned that type of game because, you know, what Red had told me, get everybody involved in the game. You know, don't worry about offense. Just just get everybody else. Move the ball. So so when I came up with 36 and 19, man, seven rebounds, four steals, I I was elated. But if not for Willis Reed, if Willis Reed didn't show the courage that he did coming out playing – I would not have had that game because the crowd mm. became so provocative. And once Willis made his first two shots, the die was cast. Mm. We 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 were floating. We had so much confidence. And then after that, you know, I just believe I could do anything. Once I started playing, I was on cloud nine.
1: You, you know, in, in each of these games, when you're broadcasting, you typically use the term cool, calm, and collected. Did you ever feel pressure as a player,
2: Clyde? Always, before each game, there's always pressure. I found that if you don't feel pressure, you're overconfident. Mm. If you if you're not nervous prior to a game, you think you can beat that team. It's the same with with broadcasting. I'm always nervous before the game, <laughs> you know. But once I get on the air, then it, it goes away. But I always tell kids: there's one thing to be nervous and and one thing to be afraid. You should not be afraid, you know, being nervous is one thing, but not be afraid of, of playing the game. So I'm always nervous before I hardly do anything. Coming on with you guys, you know, there's apprehension. You know, I fill it in, and once I get into it, you know, I start start moving and grooving, wheeling, deal, you know, doing my things that I do to, 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 to gain confidence and get relaxed. You know, be, before we get
1: into your broadcasting career, there was another quote that stuck out to me that you said this weekend. That was, uh, I learned more from my losses. And we always speak about your, your <laughs> decorated resume. But uh, what what was the the lowest point in your career, the biggest setback in your career? And how did you overcome that? And, and what did you learn?
2: Yeah, I said I learned more from losing than I ever did from willing, winning. That started in high school. Okay, when I was in high school, I was a quarterback. 10th grade, but I was a third-string quarterback. So the first-string quarterback got injured, second-string got injured, and now I'm the guy. In my school, we were perennial winners, man. We always win, and we started losing. Everybody blamed me. You know, I didn't even want to go to school, man. My mom would, you know, everybody I couldn't go to, everybody was saying, man, this guy, he, he so I I found out then how people were man how they could turn on you you know and that season I learned so the now basketball season started I'm in the 10th grade then I become the star of the basketball team so all these people that were dogging me for football now they're on my bandwagon you know I'm the greatest and 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 that's when I learned the lesson how people can be capricious man they they can turn on you Like Randall, like Randall find out. He found out how how capricious people can be, man. But, you know, that's the way it is when you're in sports. When you're up, everybody's on your side. When you're losing, you lose alone. Nobody's with you, just the team. So that's why I said I learned more from losing. That year I learned, you know, how people can be with you and they'll abandon you and they'll blame you. Mm. So then obviously my junior, senior year, I'm all city, all state and everything. I never heard any negativity, nothing but positive things. But I never forgot the 10th grade when only my mother had kind words for me. <laughs> you know, my mom was saying, well, you know, you're doing the best you can do. You got to go to school, son. You got to do this to try to be that, you know. Even my sisters, man, you, you guys, you know, they say rehearse. You guys ever rehearse? <laughs> you what know, they call it? Practice. You guys stink, man. You guys always lose it. No one had mercy for you, man. So, you know, from losing, I learned that. And, and obviously, coming to New York, too, my first few years on the Knicks, we were terrible. You know, we weren't mm-hmm. a good team. So you filled the raft of the fans and the anger of the fans and all of that. And, and so it's a learning experience, but I learned more from that losing than I did from winning.
1: We're talking to the legendary Clyde Frazier. And Clyde, this year, to add on to your resume, you were being recognized with the Kurt Dowdy Award for Broadcasting Excellence by the Basketball Hall of Fame. Uh, when did you know that you wanted to shift into broadcasting once your playing career was over?
2: Well, ironically, when I was inducted to the Basketball Hall of Fame, 1987, I was doing a series of interviews and the Knicks approached me about perhaps doing some radio and TV. So up until that time, I never thought of, you know, doing that. I mean, I t- I retired in 1980. So that was a transitional period where I was just trying to adjust to not playing basketball. So I wasn't doing anything. So I said, yeah, I'll give it a try. And that's how I got into the broadcast.
1: Wow. Well, you know, Clyde, to to see that you know you're not only a Hall of Famer for your legendary basketball career, but as a broadcaster, uh, that's a tremendous accomplishment. And, and as a Knicks fan, you know that's something that you know we certainly take pride in. We 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 appreciate all that you've given to us as a player, as a broadcaster, and as someone who served in this community for for so many years. You know, you've given so much to us, and so uh, I really just wanted to give you your flowers, and and it was an honor. To speak to you today, uh, to celebrate these accomplishments, and and as well as promote uh, the the DoorDash promotion that that you're working on. So thanks again uh, for your time.
2: Yeah, thank you, man. A great job. Very provocative questions. I appreciate it.
3: All right. Have a, have a great day.
2: You too.